You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 875 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday morning. And today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, you get 20% off your next order with Built Bar. On today's podcast, we'll have some newsy stuff, some projections, other rumblings, etc. The second half of the show will be some audio and insight from day one of the NBA's Media Week with Trey Young, John Collins, Lloyd Pierce talking to the media on Zoom earlier today. Before we dive in, I want to remind you that our, uh, to check out our shows from earlier this week. I was joined by Eric Horn of The Athletic on Monday to, to discuss Danilo Gallinari, who played in Oklahoma City, where Eric was the beat writer last season. And then I was joined yesterday on the podcast by Harrison Fagan to talk about Rajon Rondo, some insight on that, and those were uh, very, very fun episodes, some good feedback on those, so thank you for joining us. If you've not already done that, go back, listen to those, and uh, subscribe today. Okay, to the news and the projections part of the podcast. Um, on Tuesday evening, it was revealed the Hawks do not have a Christmas Day game this year. That isn't a huge surprise, although there was definitely some more hope this time around than there has been in quite a while, given that they have Trey Young and a, some, some buzz around the team. I would have been surprised, but not shocked if they got a Christmas game. Um, there was at least some thought that they might be playing the Mavs, for instance, on Christmas, but that did not happen. So there you go on that. Nothing to get too mad over. I think eventually the Hawks will get there at some point, but I will remind you that the Hawks won 60 games and then the next season they, they were not on Christmas Day. So it's going to take a lot to get them on there for whatever reason. The league does not seem to love to put the Hawks on Christmas. So one day it'll happen. It's not It's not going to happen in 2020. Um, also, the Hawks released their new MLK, MLK City Edition court for this season. That was unveiled. I tweeted about it. Others did as well. Some great photos of that that are available now, including a very interesting center court design that I like quite a bit. Um, some rave reviews for that. If you missed that, I'm sure you can find that around the internet. But some, uh, some very nice feedback across the league on that that I have seen so far. Also, I wanted to tell you about a little bit about the over-unders and the betting odds that are out there for the Hawks. We're going to have a full over-under podcast at some point across the league, as I always do that, probably with Robbie Callum, a good friend of the program. But in the last couple of days, uh, some numbers were released. But online released odds to win the division uh, across across the NBA. The Hawks are number two in the Southeast at 550. So plus 550, 11 to 2 odds to win the Southeast. The Heat are huge favorites at 1 to 3. But the Hawks are ahead of Charlotte, ahead of Orlando and Washington on that front. Um, in terms of over-runders, these are a little bit more interesting to me in a lot of ways. Bet Online has them has them at 34 and a half wins. And by the way, as a reminder, it's a 72 game season, so 34 and a half wins is not as low as you think it is probably. Um, DraftKings has about the same number there. Westgate's a little bit higher at 36 and a half or so, and then ESPN released their RPM, the real real plus minus projections, on Tuesday. Um, they, pro- they projected 36 wins for the Hawks with a 63% chance to make the playoffs. That's a little bit lower than I am on both counts, but I think that's not terribly unreasonable. I wrote about it a little bit on Tuesday. The one thing that I want to point out, though, they in that piece from, by Kevin Pelton, who wrote up the projections, they referenced the fact that RPM has the Hawks dead last in the league on defense. That is quite silly, I think. Now, I do understand being skeptical of the defense with the Hawks. They were third worst in the league last year. I totally get that. They have some pieces that are still question marks. There's still a chance the Hawks are bad defensively. I will give you that just right off the top here. But they added Clint Capella. 
They added Chris Dunn. They add Bogdanovich, who's better on defense than what they had last year on the wing in a lot of ways. Um, and also some improvement that you have to bake in from the young guys, especially I would say Reddish and Hunter going from year one to year two as defense first kind of players coming out of college. Um, even Trey Young, John Collins, those guys should be better on defense this year just from the natural progression. So I think it's not reasonable, frankly, to project them last in the league defensively. If you told me bottom five, I may not agree with you, but it wouldn't be crazy. I think dead last is pretty silly. Uh, for example, the Wizards were historically bad last year, and they really didn't improve at all defensively. They might actually be worse in a lot of ways, considering what they're bringing back. Um, the Cavs were pretty bad. Oh, they got Okoro, but he's not going to fix their ills, number one. So, again, I, I think the Hawks might be shaky defensively, for sure. But just as an example... Going from, going from what the Hawks had at center last year to Capella is enough to take dead last off the table on its own, in my opinion, because Capella is a good defender. But even if you assume that he was just out for some reason, um, the Hawks had other stuff too beyond that. Again, they've made real investment in defense the last couple of years in the draft, um, Reddish and Hunter especially. Um, Kongwu is a defensive first investment in a lot of ways. Capella, Chris Dunn is an awesome defensive player. So I think you don't need to necessarily say that the Hawks are going to be great defensively, but I think number, number 30 is pretty silly. In a lot of ways, um, on the more po- on the more positive side, the Hawks did have uh, the number six projected offense in the league according to RPM. That seems about right. I think there's a chance the Hawks are as good or better than that. Obviously, we'll um, see what happens there, and you know injuries, all that stuff fit. But given the talent they have, I am prone to saying this, but the Hawks have five top 100 players in the league, and four of those guys, in my view, are offense first players, and that means. Young, Collins, Bogdanovich, and Gallinari are all better on offense than defense. Capella, you could say, better is better on defense, but even then, he's a pretty good offensive player in, in his own right. So the Hawks have plenty of talent, especially when you throw in Herder, Reddish, Hunter, all that stuff. So uh, offensively, I can definitely see that coming into fruition. But I'm on record as saying the Hawks, in my view, and again, I'm not going to plant my flag on this too much or you know bet anybody on this, but... I think the Hawks are better talent-wise than the Pacers, and the Pacers are normally the seventh seed in, which, in what's been discussed in a lot of these projections. But I have no issue with the Hawks being eighth. I think the Hawks are, though, better and more talented than the rest of the teams in the East. They're better than Washington. They're better than Chicago or Orlando or whoever else. They're better than those teams on paper. There's no question about that in my mind. And again, I think they're, they're better than Indiana as well, with some upside beyond that. But we'll get into that more as we get closer to the season. But that was the first major projection system that I saw that came out, and I wanted to touch on that as well as the uh, over-unders that are now out there for people that people always love over-unders. So that's now available, etc. Also, they got some positive reviews from David Aldridge of the athletic who ranked the Hawks uh, number three in terms of the impactful off season that they had with their investments there. And I've generally heard some pretty positive things about Atlanta's off season. Um, there are some people that are talking about the Hawks maybe going too quickly, but regardless, I think most people um, even nationally, and you know, I'm prone to saying this, but national folks don't always pay the closest attention to the Hawks at least the last couple of years. I think the reception has been relatively positive, which is obviously a pretty good thing. I think the Hawks are in great shape when it comes to next season in many ways. We'll, we'll touch on a lot of that in the second half of the podcast when uh, I would say that Collins, Young, and Pierce will all ask about that kind of stuff on the audio. That will be coming momentarily. But first, before we get to the audio and the second half of the pod, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is Bill Barr. 
I've been telling you for a long time that Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and that is still very much the case, but also the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. The original flavors are fantastic and they continue to be so, but now there are 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including new selections like caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, and, a, and of course my personal favorite in cookies and cream. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and they're all soft and easy to chew, which is also very important to point out. And from there, I should remind you that Built Bar is also fantastic. For those of us trying to be health conscious, you can maintain or even lose weight while still enjoying something that's absolutely delicious. Bars are low calorie, high protein, low sugar, and high fiber. And Built Bar is even great if you're on the keto diet with all the nutrients you need. And again, a taste that puts other competitors in the space to absolute shame. In order to check it all out, BuiltBar.com is the place to go. Yes, it's BuiltBar.com right now. And use the promo code LOCKEDON when you get there. When you visit BuiltBar.com and use that promo code, you'll get 20% off your next order with Built Bar. One more time, that is BuiltBar.com. Promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your next order. Check it all out at BuiltBar.com and try Built Bar today. All right, as I said earlier on the podcast, the rest of the show will be some audio from today. The Hawks open up their media week, quote-unquote, with three availabilities. The first one was John Collins, followed by Trey Young and then Lloyd Pierce at the end. And I will go through that order just as a caveat. I do not have Trey Young audio because I was not on that call on my computer. Uh, those of you that are listening to the show for the first time may not know this, but I have a day job and I was listening to Trey talk on my phone uh, on the move, but could not record because I was not set up with my phone. So I'll sort of recap what Trey said, but audio from John Collins and Lloyd Pierce to come. And we'll start with Collins now. Um, basically, Collins had a lot of different things to talk about on the uh, availability today. Of course, there's plenty of stuff about his contract extension talks that were uh, asked to be sure. Um, that was probably the number one topic, and it, you know, with good reason in a lot of ways. Obviously, he's not going to be able to say too, too much, but I'll play some audio for you on that topic at the start here. So here is the sort of first thing that he was asked on the extension, and here is the first thing that he had to say about it. Yeah, definitely. You know, every time I come into the gym, you know, that's definitely the first thing on my mind. And uh, obviously, my agents, my uh, and the Hawks are working, uh, you know, every day to try to try to get to a, a you know a deal and agreement. So I'm trying to stay optimistic, trying to. Uh, like I said, stay positive and uh, develop, you know, bonds with my new teammates. And that's all I can really do until this gets sorted out. So clearly on his mind there, um, at the same time, he was asked later on in the availability of sort of how optimistic he is that the deal will actually get done. And by the way, on this same uh, answer that you're about to hear, there's a follow-up question. So it's a little bit longer and you'll hear, you'll hear the question being asked, but uh, here's the full clip on the next topic when it comes to Collins and the extension. Um, I'm as optimistic as I can be. Um, you know, I try to come into the facility, um, put my best foot forward every single day, uh, work out with my guys. And, um, you know, for me, it's just trying to go home, you know, and think about positive things. I try to dwell on if it's not or if it is. Um, just wait for it to happen because I know ultimately I have no control over it. Um, what I've done is done and, um, you know, I have to let the conversations be had and, and wait my turn. So. Uh, just a lot of waiting, and that's been the that's probably been the worst part. Uh, I did have a follow up. So, um, you you said it on multiple occasions how you feel like you're a max player who's deserving of that kind of contract. Um, do you still feel that way as of today? Or have you budged at all? Would you be comfortable if uh, you know a max a contract offer wasn't presented your way? Um, I mean, you know, I guess that's with all in uh, within the negotiation, right? Um, but definitely, I feel like I put my best foot forward for this organization. Uh, and I feel like that's definitely within the conversation. Um, to say if I budged or not, I'm not really too sure. Uh, but I just feel like with, you know, our relationship and my relationship with the organization, I feel like we have, uh, 
nothing but positive things uh, or nothing but, you know, positive area to grow with. So uh, I'm just leaning on that. And like I said, just hoping we can come to an agreement before, uh, before the season starts. The voice you heard there, by the way, asked the question was Chris Kersher of Athletics. So shouts to Chris for that. Um, there you go on John uh, in terms of the extension talks. Uh, he did talk about some other stuff on the on the availability, so I'll pass some of that along to you now. One of the questions was about um, Gallinari, how he fits with Gallinari, and how to maximize that fit between the two power forwards. Yeah, I feel like the biggest thing we can do to maximize it, if anything, is understand each other's games when we do get on the court. Uh, I feel like, as we all know, Gallo's an extremely skilled guy, very tall, um, ability to shoot the ball. I feel like he's just a smart player, and I feel like our chemistry's worked well together, great ball handler, great roller out of the pick and roll, you know, as well as I'm a roller. And so um, I feel like it creates a lot of dynamics. Like I said, on the court, having a guy like Trey uh, or Rondo being able to create and set up with uh, both of uh, myself and, and Gallo, I feel like is going to be dangerous. So I'm excited to work with him and he's a great leader as well. One of the themes from all of the availabilities that'll probably happen the entire week, but definitely from today, is the depth and how the Hawks will be navigating all of the depth that they now have, which is obviously a good problem to have. But here's what Collins had to say when he was asked about the team having so much depth now. Yeah, that's uh, something that, you know, I feel like is going to be a natural uh, a natural question. Uh, I feel like we're all interested to see how we're going to mesh together. And like I said, I feel like that takes time, especially with the, with the depth of guys that we have now. But um, it also creates a competitive edge, and I feel like it gives guys um, that that mindset that, you know, uh, every possession counts and that if I do mess up, I do whatever, there's another guy on the bench that could potentially take my spot. So I feel like that all feeds at the competitive nature and uh, is going to help us in the long run. A couple more to get to here. One of them uh, that I want to play for you is about Collins actually in his own skill development. So one of the themes that he's talked about in the past, including earlier in the offseason, was this playmaking focus that he has, trying to get better as a playmaker, um, maybe even ball handling, that kind of stuff. And he was asked about that and sort of how that's been going and also how it is uh, pivoting towards towards now with the uh, new roster and all that stuff. You know, I feel like not saying I uh, haven't done it or haven't worked on it, but I feel like just the dynamic of our team uh, isn't really – built for me to do so, especially now with uh, Chris Dunn, with uh, Trey, with a Kevin Herter, um, Gallo now. A lot of guys who can do that for me, obviously, uh, we know that my uh, my better ability is to rim run and, and, and be off the ball, but I definitely feel like that's going to be in the game, me catching a rebound and running into a pick and roll or trying to attack, maybe taking a, um, a top of the top of the key three are all within the, within the range of things that I'm doing, but uh, our team dynamic is just so versatile that um, I feel like all those options could be seen at any time. To me, that makes sense in a lot of ways, but it's sort of an eyebrow raiser. Anytime you hear a guy talk about something in the past and not necessarily back off of it now, but certainly downplay it a little bit, is noteworthy. Last thing on John from an audio perspective, he was asked about having the veterans that they have now in place and the development of the young guys, including himself. No, for sure. Like I said before, I touched on a little bit. I think it's going to help a lot. Um, not only are those older guys going to compete, but they're going to lend knowledge and they're going to try to um, hopefully right, build build up our young guys. And, and I feel like that's the whole point and goal of having those guys here is for their experience on court and their experience off the court that we can grow and absorb. So um, at the end of the day, you know, I feel like, you know, the young guys are always going to be given opportunities. Right. But at the end of the day, whoever's um, Fulfilling their duties on the court is going to play. And like I said, I feel like that just um, fulfills more of that competitive nature that we want to build here. So um, I'm all for it. Is that just the nature of the team getting better? You know, the, the roster getting better and wanting to win now? 
No, exactly. You know, in you know the older days in the NBA, guys were four-year guys, and even still, those four-year guys would come in and they wouldn't play for two or three years. Obviously, the, the league is younger now, and I feel like that you know attributes to some of the things that we're seeing. But obviously, great to have these guys into the gym, and hopefully, that can alleviate that problem. So there you go with John. He's always very good with the media and uh, I think a very thoughtful guy in a lot of ways. Obviously, the big question is the extension. He's never going to give you a huge amount of information on that front, but uh, he had to be asked about it, so I wanted to pass the audio along there as well as everything else. Okay, before we get to some audio from Lloyd Pierce and some thoughts from Trey Young on today's podcast, a word from our sponsors on today's show. All right, before we get to Lloyd Pierce and some audio there, I do want to pass along some tidbits from the Trey Young availability. Nothing terribly out of the ordinary from Trey. Um, just obviously he's the centerpiece of the team, so it's noteworthy whenever he talks. Um, the thing that struck out, uh, sort of stood out to me most is that he sort of talked about fighting the narrative that he can't win. Something that's definitely been overblown, but he, he expressed that in, as a point of frustration, point of, point of motivation going into the season. That is, of course, worthwhile. Um, Trey has not won the NBA, but it's not been his fault in any way, shape, or form. I've talked about that on this podcast before, that you know anyone blaming Trey for them not winning last year is just kind of being silly, but uh, he he did talk about that as a potential uh, focus for the upcoming season. He didn't really get into his, uh, much specifics when it comes to playoff stuff um, and other like overarching themes from Trey. Um, he did think that it was uh, good, apparently, that the uh, front office sort of Im- impacted the roster with more with more vets, etc. Um, again, nothing terribly. Uh, sort of jump off the page exciting about the Trey Young experience on this day. But, you know, that's kind of what happens when, it, you know, you don't have to say anything crazy. And really, in a lot of ways, there are storylines on this team right now. And Trey Young is the centerpiece of the team. But he really isn't necessarily like one of the unknown or uncertain things on this roster. I guess is the way for me to put that. I think everyone is just baking in the fact that he'll play the most minutes, he'll take the most shots, he'll potentially lead league in assists. Uh, something I've said before on this podcast, I'll say it again now, I think he's. Lead, I think he'll lead the league in assists this year. I picked him last year, he finished second. Darn. Uh, it's one of those things, but back to my point, I, I think that he's one of the only certainties on this roster right now. I think there's so much uncertainty in a lot of ways. We know that Vidalia Mitchell will play, we know that Gallinari's going to play, we know Collins going to play, Capella, etc. But all these other guys are impacted by rotation decisions in a lot of ways, and Trey Young really isn't. When he's on the floor, he's the centerpiece. And I want to just kind of say that out loud in that, you know, it's not that no one's paying attention to Trey. Obviously, everyone is going to always listen when Trey is talking. He's the centerpiece and the star of the team. But he's really the only guy in a lot of ways who's kind of not impacted in a bad way anyway. I mean, obviously, it helps to have him surrounded by better pieces and, you know, I would say undisputably helps the Hawks win, helps him, um, you know, assist wise, narrative wise, all that stuff. It, it will definitely help him to have more space, etc. But in terms of like, he's not. There's no questions about how much he's going to play. Like, I don't know. It's just interesting to me that um, in some ways he's the. Um, I don't want to say the least interesting, but one of those guys that's kind of written in pen, and everybody else is kind of in pencil to varying degrees. So. There you go on that. I mean, nothing that jumped out to me. I listened to the audio again um, before this, and uh, you know, I'm sure it's available out there. I know Jamila Johnson, Shashas Jamila, has posted some of the uh, some of the video out there. I'm sure you can see uh, Trey's availability if you want to dive into uh, that full, you know, 20 plus minutes. But nothing I have to share with you. I wish I had some audio. I definitely play some for you now. But in terms of just overall themes, that's what I had on Trey. Okay, uh, now we'll transition to Lloyd Pierce. Um, Lloyd has a ton of stuff to talk about. I'll play a lot for you here because I actually had that one, and I, I feel bad that I didn't have Trey. But listen, that's the nature of having a day job. My apologies. I do I do the best I can, and I grind for everybody on a daily basis. So, 
Okay, we'll dive in sort of chronologically in a lot of ways with this stuff. Uh, I will go through sort of t- top to bottom what he said. Not all of the audio, it's a half hour long, but I'll, I'll include a, a pretty good pretty good amount of it. The first thing that I pulled, and this is sort of a question that everyone's had about Lloyd and the whole team as a whole right now, but he was asked, we're always speaking about the challenges of having a, a very, very deep roster, and this is what he had to say about that. Well, I think in the beauty of sport, um, I, I'd be more disappointed in a guy that, that doesn't really find disappointment in not playing than, you know, trying to balance out the, the expectations. I think all of our guys expect to play. I don't think they all look at it and say, oh, I'm not playing because this guy's here now. I think they're all that that's part of defining competitiveness. And um, we're going to have an environment that really speaks to that. But um, the other side of it is in team sport. Uh, understanding when you do have a roster that has depth, uh, what are the sacrifices that are needed in order to progress and move forward? And we have to define that as well. When you add and you enhance your roster and you add the versatility, the experience, the depth, um, everyone's got to take a sacrificial part in that as well. It's a very coach speak answer, but it's also the right one in a lot of ways. And that the competition is something he stressed the entire time, but um, sacrificial is a word that is interesting to hear in this context, but somewhere along the way, a guy who thinks he should be playing minutes is going to have to be cool not playing minutes on this team this year if everybody's healthy. So that was pretty interesting to start things off. Um, specifically from there, he was asked a couple of questions about Rajon Rondo, um, who is, of course, like has been touted as a, an extension of the coaching staff, et cetera, veteran leadership edition. And uh, he was asked first, what the first reaction that he had to, uh, I guess, watching Rondo or having the Rondo signing. So here's what Lou had to say about that. Um, sit down more during the course of the game because uh, you just add a wealth of experience and knowledge. And, you know, I think any coach wants to – I always tell our guys, I want to empower you. I want to put you in a position where you can make the plays and you can make the decisions. And he brings that. That's probably his greatest skill set is his ability to make decision and make plays because of his knowledge. And so I get to sit down a little bit more knowing that and, and knowing that not only is he bringing the experience and the knowledge, but he's, he's passing that on. He's putting our guys in position to where they can just maximize what they do. And so that allows me to just say, hey, you guys are empowered. This is what we work on every single day. But when the games occur, you guys can go out and run it. Um, you know, I, I think that's a that's a testament to who he is and who he's been throughout his career. But I think it's really the strength is going to be how he can transfer that information to others. A few moments later, he was asked another follow up about Rondo. And here's what he had to say about um, his impact and also the fact that he's on a very, very short list. I think we all kind of understand. I, there's a short list of guys in the league that, you know, especially being a head coach, you know, are always looking over at me throughout the course of the game, and he's on that. Chris Paul, uh, Rajon, DeAndre Jordan is the other, P.J. Tucker. Um, those guys are always looking. LeBron does it. They look over to see what you're calling because they know your playbook. And uh, he and I had a conversation the other day, and I said, well, here's, here's how I try and manipulate you guys. I just give you a part of it, and you can't really run with it, and then we can run our offense after the fact. And so when you're empowering, now that he's on our side, I can empower him to do the same thing. Uh, But he's always been one of those guys that you're just conscious of. He's trying to steal your plays, 
so he can get a leg up on it defensively of how he can blow it up or take it away. And so, again, his ability to do that is great. His ability to transfer that to the rest of our guys so that they can do it is even more beneficial. So there you go on Rondo for now. We'll pivot now to a couple of other sort of grouped topics. And they have to do with, like I talked about earlier, like Lloyd, like you hear from with Lloyd earlier, on just the depth concept and how much this is going to be sort of a challenge and inter- interesting stuff from there. One of the topics is a short timeline because the training camp is sort of accelerated. There isn't too much time here. And Lloyd was asked about that timeline to integrate all the new pieces the Hawks have. I think if anybody is is planning to be comfortable in this season, then you've got the wrong approach. And I say that because we don't have a schedule yet and our season is starting in three weeks. We don't know what the routines are going to be like and our season is starting in three weeks. And so being comfortable uh, while uncomfortable is really kind of the goal. We have to be adjustable. We have to be versatile. We have to adapt to a new type of season. And that goes to the same with our players and our roster. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen this year, but we've got to be ready for, for anything that comes our way. And uh, when you have, when you add a, a ton of veteran experience, you look at a Solomon Hill who, who just came out of the finals as well. You know, Rajon was there, Solomon was there as well. And, and that shows that both of those guys spent, uh, I don't know what the numbers were, four to five months in Orlando in a bubble. They've adjusted and adapted pretty well. They can transfer that information to the rest of our guys to help us navigate this season. Uh, but as I look at the roster, I know what I have. I have to get. I have to learn their tendencies. I have to learn where they've been effective, uh, where they've struggled offensively and defensively, and just constantly try and put the pieces together. A guy like Chris Dunn, who is a who is a plus defender uh, in any coverage. Um, but then you go and look at, he doesn't switch very well on defense. You know, he's just not a guy that's used to switching. He likes his matchup and he's pretty damn good at his matchup. Um, and our league is a switch league. And so how do you balance those things out? Well, you got to figure it out through reps. You know, how will he and Cam coexist defensively? Uh, can he learn how to switch and still be effective? You know, some of those elite defenders, they lock into their matchups and they shut it down, and that's why they are who they are. But his adaptability will be something like that. we got to go across the board with everybody. You know, Gallo at the four and the five. Can he play the three? I don't know. John at the four and the five. Can they coexist? I don't know. But those are the questions that I'll answer, and we'll get answered. But that's the beauty of the job. With more on that, uh, Pierce was asked specifically about DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish, and the question included uh, a reference at the end of it to a competitive environment, so you'll hear him respond to that, but here's what he had to say about Cam and DeAndre. You answered your own question. <laughs> a little bit more competitive, and um, it's really, and I'm not being a smartass, there's really nothing else to say than other than it's going to be a little bit more competitive, and uh, that's a good problem to have. And, you know, the least competitive is going to have issues. The most competitive is really going to thrive. So one of the things with the jam-packed rotation now is sort of the impact on young guys. So he was asked about the sort of the new veterans and how they would impact and how that filters down. Um, this is why we play the sport. It's, you know, to be given something, and to not really, you know, earn it is, is, is the worst lesson you can have. And I think 
you know, we, we're all going to get opportunities and we all have had opportunities. And then you always want to advance from those opportunities. I think every young player has given some, has been given some opportunity and, and some of our range higher, some are a little bit lower and you want to keep helping them there. But I think the biggest challenge of it all is, you know, how, how difficult is this game? How hard is it to win? And how hard is it to compete on a nightly basis? And we're going to see that on a daily basis from a practice standpoint. Um, and so this is part of their growth. The young guys have played, they have game experience. That was part of the plan. And now it's time to compete at a higher level and they've got competition internally and we'll have fun with it. But this is part of, this is part of advancing. Uh, it isn't just show up because you're good or you've been given an opportunity. It's earn every every part of it. And and we'll have some guys going to have some off nights and that's opportunities for others to step in. And some guys are going to be rolling and that's opportunities to have to sit back. But that's the beauty of a team. And that's my job to put it all together. Sort of in the same vein, uh, Pierce has been fond of saying that the Hawks are not trying to, quote, skip steps, end quote along the way in the last couple of years in the rebuild. If you're a Hawks fan and you listen to this podcast or other places, you've definitely heard him say that in the past. He was asked about that by Chris Kirscher at The Athletic, sort of about, about that ethos and whether it still fits in with all of what the Hawks have done this time around. Absolutely. Um, you know, we, we've drafted, what, seven players in the last three years, four years or eight, if you had, you know, the year before I got here with John. Um, we, we've, we've built through the draft, and that next step was to – position yourself for free agency or and or trades and you know I, I think we hit a home run in free agency in terms of having the money and having the options and going after guys that that we thought would be a part of our next step and so um, I think absolutely this hasn't we haven't skipped a step you know we're going to grow and develop our young guys and we're going to be as competitive as we we're going to be. We're going to be really competitive uh, um, this year, and we're going to keep leveling up what we define as being competitive. Uh, but this is the necessary step, and this was all part of the plan. So we'll do a few more here. Uh, one of them is more back to basketball matters. Uh, this is the first time that Pierce has addressed the media since the draft, and the Hawks, of course, selected a Kongwu with a top six pick in the draft. So I wanted to play you the audio. He was only asked one question about Onyeka, but here's what he had to say about the young big man. Um, you know, I'm excited. I, I think um, I think with all our guys, you, you just you you get to look at each guy and just be excited about you know who they are and how you can help maximize who they are. Uh, a kid's never played an NBA game. He's not on the court yet. Um, he's going to be big eyes trying to figure out the speed of this game. But when you watch his film, he is explosive. He's got a quick second jump. He's got a quick first jump. He gets out of pick and rolls, uh, similar to John where he can get behind the defense uh, effectively. Um, you know, he knows where to be defensively. It's going to be faster and bigger and quicker at this level. So he's going to have to learn how to be a part of that five-man defense as well. It, it you know, it, it isn't just going to naturally him be an, a, an elite defender because I know that's what the reports say. He's got to learn how to be a team defender in NBA sets against NBA players. And there's an adjustment period there. But I think that 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 quickness, that 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 quick twitch that he has, that second jump, that ability that some of those things you can't teach, stuff you can, you're just adding to a pretty finished product physically and so we have to help him mentally positionally 
uh, add on to what he already brings to the game physically. One more basketball one to get to here. Uh, he was asked about whether the Hawks have enough defensive talent. That was the way that it was phrased to uh, improve on that end of the floor this season. There's enough talent on this roster. Uh, you know, and I, I think that's the challenge. It, it, it always comes down to, like I mentioned, Chris Dunn's one of the top defensive players, you know, for guards in our league. Clint Capella has been a really good defender. Um, we know what our two wings are capable of doing. None of it works if all five guys aren't on the same page. This league isn't about can you guard one-on-one. Um, it's about can you as a team be a great first shot defense, limit second chance opportunities, keep teams from getting out and scoring easy in, in transition and on the glass and make every shot tough. That's a five-man defense. And um, it's really about being connected, not necessarily who you are. It's great, as we always talk about, Anytime you add value and you add talent, that's great. But it's what do you do with it? Can we get on the same page? And so I'm not going to be focused on the individual. I'm more focused on the team coming together on that side of the floor. And finally, bringing things full circle, Pierce was also asked about the playoffs, which he sort of started the uh, whole ball rolling down the hill in March, talking about the playoffs. He was the first one to say it on the record, and uh, he was asked. Um, by the way, the, the question also included the assumption of health. That was a reference to that uh, in the prompt about how Pierce would be feeling if they didn't make the playoffs, et cetera. But in general, that's what you'll hear him responding to. But this is basically a question about how Pierce feels about the playoffs and the goal and all of that stuff. Assuming everyone is healthy, assuming everyone isn't healthy, I, I think that's the goal for us regardless. Um, when you speak about our depth and you add to our depth, um, you have options. Uh, we should feel comfortable missing a beat or missing a guy, and we probably are going to in this year. We're going to miss people at times. But I, I don't think that undermines or undercuts our expectations to really – to get into postseason, I don't think that undermines our expectations to be as competitive as we can. We, we didn't go into free agency and take this next step um, to not put pressure on ourselves, to not, you know, really try and advance. And we all understand advancing is postseason. I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Advancing is postseason. And so, you know, I'm not going to limit what I think postseason is for us. And I think when you talk about being competitive, uh, the, the forefront of com competition and having the guys that we have, that's always going to be at the forefront. We expect to win. We expect to be competitive. And I expect to see that on the practice court every day. And then we're going to define who we are and what we are as we move forward. So that's it for the audio. There is all, there was obviously all other subjects that we didn't tackle because, again, this is about a half hour or even longer Zoom. Um, he left off some competitive dust-ups with Chris Dunn. Um, of course, Trey Young was involved in those as well, um, and he sort of lauded Dunn's competitiveness through that lens. Bogdanovich is competitive, competitive as well. All kinds of stuff that you can get to. Again, the video is, I'm sure, publicly available somewhere. I believe Jamila Johnson published uh, a lot of these videos, so check those out if you'd like to. But there you go on that for today's podcast. Please subscribe to the pod. The plan is to have at least one more podcast this week, maybe even two. We will see how that goes. I have a, a scheduled guest, hopefully. They'll be joining me sometime on Thursday. That will be the Thursday show or the Friday show. So please subscribe and stay tuned for all of that. Please tell your friends about the show. Please also leave five-star feedback. Again, that's also very helpful. I don't, I don't often publish that when it comes to... Uh, stuff I want you guys to do, but please rate and review the podcast. It definitely helps. Unsubscribe, resubscribe, check out the entire Lockdown Podcast Network, and we will see you next time.